Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Today, we have a great show with a great friend of mine, uh, Reverend Al Johnson. I've known Al for quite a while, right, Al? Long time, time. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we met in the club nobody wants to be in, which is losing a child. I lost Scott in 1983. He was 17 in an automobile accident. And Al lost Nicholas in 1989. And he died of leukemia. I thought you'd all be really interested in hearing how we season long-term grievers. I don't know what you want to call us, how we've done and things that we think could help you because we know a lot of you are early bereaved. But I wanted to tell you something about uh, Al. He's written a wonderful memoir called Grief Set Free. And I love that title, Grief mm-hmm. Set Free. And we're going to be talking today how we how we go about setting that grief free. And he served on Bishop Sean Rose's staff in partnership with the Diocese of Northwestern Pennsylvania and Western New York. Well, you know, I guess I'm going to come out with a question. Is your relationship with God different now than it was then? Uh, Very, very different than it was then. Um, You know, we all have a a theology of God, excuse me for lack of better phrase, we all have some way of believing. If we wish to believe in God, we have something that we put together in our minds and it works. It works for a period of time. And then something happens like a child dying. And generally that theology doesn't work anymore. And something else has to be constructed in its place. Now, sometimes maybe it does, but in my case, it didn't. Some, something else needed to be constructed in its place. It raised questions about um, life after death. Since we've been involved in this in a long time, I've really tried to work away from cliches. So the struggle is, there's often a struggle though about, so where where is God in the midst of these kind of situations when they're happening though? You know, I mean, that's, that is a question that gets asked all the time. And uh, so I had to rethink, I had to rethink that because my own theology is not that God is determinant in the sense that these things are all kind of determined by God and it's God's will. I just, I don't go that way. That doesn't, that isn't how my theology uh, works. There, there's life and we live life and God's a companion, um, but we have to make choices and, and things happen that aren't in accord with what we want. When someone goes through something like this, they, they, it's almost, com- they're almost compelled to ask the why question of why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? Whatever, how once it, but why? And it's, I think over what I've learned over the years is just, you know, you got to ask the question. It's a road you got to go down. It's not going to be a road that's going to satisfy ultimately, but it's a road that we all have to go down because we're trying, we're trying to catch up early on, at least we're trying to catch up with what's happened. Mm-hmm. What's your take on grief? I know your book, Grief Set Free. A class on object relations. 
And, uh, you know, that was when I first began to understand that after one year, a person should, should be in this certain place, you know. Mm -hmm. The problem is that one year after Nicholas died, I wasn't even remotely close to that place. <laughs> and I was just beginning to get used to the fact that he is gone from this world in the flesh for the rest of my life. The book is uh, probably more than anything else, the, the book is an attempt to take on and explore cultural norms and to free us up from being obligated to the cultural norms. Because when I think about you and what I've known about you is that um, you and I both are in a long line of parents that have had children die. Those that went before us have helped us. Our job is to help those that com come after us. And I think that uh, there's a longevity to grief and there's, uh, you know, I don't feel the same way I did 30 years ago, but I still miss Nicholas. There's a room in my heart and I can go to that room. If I stay in that room a long time, I'll be grateful and sad at the same time. Uh -huh. My take is that you just don't stay in it as long as you did. No, no. I mean, your heart gets touched every so often, but in some ways after all this time, that touch is okay. It becomes a blessing in many ways. But I was, uh, the other thing about, um, the, you know, I remember I had a, a, a parishioner whose mom had died and she was really close to her mom. And, and she was talking about, you know, three weeks, three months after she's walking with a friend and she's crying. And the friend said, you know, I mean, come on, what's the problem? I mean, she's been dead for three months. And I realized we just still with, live with these cultural expectations about how it's supposed to work, even though recent studies of the brain have shown that actually grief sits in an available, constantly available place in our mental structure. And so it's not not possible to just say, I'm not gonna go there anymore. Whatever that loss is, it's inside of me for the rest of my life. Right. 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 So the idea, I actually got the title uh, from, not directly from Richard Rohr, a Franciscan writer, uh, yes, but I got I it loosely from him, just this idea that we all grieve our own way. Everyone's path of grieving is um, interesting and unique to the man or to the woman. And it includes surrounding circumstances, and it includes one's faith perspective, and one's mental health capacities, and all those, um, and physical things. It, it, it's all those things, so it's inherently going to be unique. What's your advice to me if I've lost a child in the last year or two? I would search out someone who is further down the road, mm -hmm. and I would, I would, you know, these are, this is my language, I would glom onto them. I would glom on to them because they become hope then. They become hope. You know, hope, and I'm not being facetious about open to hope, but they become hope. And right. then begin to think that there might be a way out of this incredible pain. And I can't see myself, but I'll rely upon the sight that somebody else has that's two, four, eight, 10 years. The second thing would be, you know, there are going to be others you know, that come along. There's always Mary, who actually lost a son as well. There's this continuance. And then I think that when it, the third thing is that if you are a God-believing person, there's always questions about that. And I just think that now I would say just hopefully over time, you'll find the grace to live with the unanswered questions because uh, they are unanswered questions, right? The grace to live with the unanswered questions. That's right. a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. Because there will be, and there are. Yep, yep. You, know, you know, one of the things I love, and you and I know each other for compassionate friends, yeah. which is the place where you can go to get peer support, is that 
it's wonderful when you go to some chapters and you also, if you keep going, new people come in and you see how far you've come. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I remember going though early on after, you know, of course, at first I thought I didn't need any of that. And then about six months afterwards, when I hit bottom is absolutely how to get help and peer support, you know, various things, you know, I mean, therapy and all that, but peer support. And part of the overwhelming aspect was how much pain could be in one room. Uh, uh -huh. And that, you know, that children die from all sorts of things. And um, of all ages, they die from all sorts of things. And that it's critical to form a community to get better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I loved being a part of the, we were, we went for about six years. I loved being a part of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, what would be your hope for me if I'm reading your book? What would you want me to get out of it? I hope I would hope that you'd uh, get a sense that the path that you're on is the path that you're on and there isn't a good or bad path. I would hope that you'd get a sense of an honest struggle with uh, the relationship with the divine, with God in the midst of trying to uh, work one's way through um, uh, a traumatic and tragic experience. And then I think, you know, just uh, I would also like maybe you'd come out and know that you're, you're not alone, that somebody else is going to be there to be you know, praying for you and lifting you up. But most importantly, I'd say that you're not alone. Other mm -hmm. people have been through this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I don't know this, you know, uh, I heard a sermon one time that was really great. It was by this uh, preacher, James Forbes. And the title was, you've got to find time for the pain. And I would say that, 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 that is critically important. You have to find time for the pain because there's no way around it. There's no way around the pain. The mm -hmm. only way is through. And perhaps with other people or with your faith, one's faith or other, that one will find companionship through that way. But there is an other side. I think, I think we get to another side where, where we've, we've come to integrate what's happened and we live a little bit more peacefully, a little more balanced, um, not forgetting, but we're just, there is kind of an other side where it's possible to settle into what happened and not let it be um, the all-consuming event that it was for a time. I find it always jarring when there is some kind of an event that's on TV and somebody inevitably says, you never get over it. Mm -hmm. They're talking to the parent or who loses their child. You will never get over this. And I'm like, how do you know? And the reality is, it's not over. You find peace with it. You find exactly. there's something called post-traumatic growth that uh, <laughs> right. you can go online and look at it. And I know that because I work with a lot of people early in grief, it's very hard to think that there could be post-traumatic growth. But as you get down the road a little further, you start to see some of the, well, I've seen it with my own family, how sensitive my kids are to grief and loss and to other people and how they can sit with them. Yep. Yep. You know, there are some incredible things that, that come from this. I think it, in a lot of ways, it's made my family closer. There's no question that that's been true for, uh, for Vicki and I and Hannah and Zach and their spouses. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I find a bit disturbing also is that th there are books by done by therapists that say you're you're going to get divorced you know 
and it wasn't my experience. I did not get divorced, and you didn't get divorced. No, I, you know, I found it, uh, I was searching that out because I had written that somebody had come up to me just maybe two or three years ago and said that, you know, they quoted, they said the statistics were 90% or something like that. And so I looked up the latest statistics at the point when I was writing from compassionate friends said it was more like 18% or 20%. Mm -hmm. And that you would know this from the therapeutic perspective, easily half those people were on the path anyway. Exactly and so. How, how the, death, the death became the tipping point, but it wasn't the origin of the difficulty. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing you do have in common is that you've had the, both have the same loss and nobody else has had that loss. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, so you do have a commonality together. Very, very much so. Yeah. Well, tell us how we can get your book, Grief Set Free and Memoir. It's a lovely book. And I had the honor of being able to give you a absolutely and by the way you're not only that but your quote is on the the um the tag for the book from the publisher so i feel oh, really lucky. i feel really lucky and blessed by that you can go to uh the publisher of uh, whipandstock.com and you can you can put in um gsf40 and get 40% off or you can go to amazon lovely it's yeah. a wonderful book and there's all sorts of wonderful information that can help you and Al's just a, a total inspiration to everyone who knows him and uh thank you and to me thank you <laughs> my dear friend yes so uh we want to thank everybody for joining in the show today and Al could you give us one last shout out that you want to say about loss or grief or is there one last you know, there used to be this guy at Compassionate Friends, it just comes to mind quickly. When we started going, he'd always say at the end, you know, it does get better. And I really just wanted to choke him. I wanted <laughs> to choke him because I think I was, I didn't believe him or I was envious. But I think it's kind of like what you were saying before. If we're able to be kind to ourselves, if we're able to be kind to ourselves, and if we if believe in God and can believe that our God is being kind to us and our circle of family, uh, the wounds, the scars heal, the, the wounds heal, the scars are still there, but the wounds heal and the experience because something that enriches our, enriches our life doesn't take away from it. Now, like you, I'd rather learn this another way, but you know, <laughs> we don't get that choice, do we? We don't get that choice. I want to thank everybody for joining us on the show today. And I want to remind you all, and I'm sure Al does too, that if you've lost hope, Please lean on ours until you find your own. And exactly. God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.